Welcome to Unstyled. I'm your host, Christine Barbrick, co-founder and global editor-in-chief of Refinery29. Each week, I invite a notable person to come in and talk with us as we explore the funny, inspiring, sometimes heartbreaking tales of life, work, and love, as told through the things that we wear. Katya Blickfeld just gets people. It's one of her most notable gifts, the ability to recognize potential and see beyond the surface of a person to identify their truest selves. It's an unusual talent and one that served her very well professionally. Katya spent the first half of her career working in film and television casting and even won an Emmy for her work on 30 Rock in 2013. Two years later, she co-created the beloved series High Maintenance with her then-husband, Ben Sinclair. There, too, Katya's preternatural empathy made for spectacular television. The show explored, in brief but intimate detail, the lives of New Yorkers with nothing in common, except a weed dealer played by Ben. Despite its central character, this was no dumb stoner comedy. With Katya and Ben at the creative helm, the show perfectly captured that ineffable feeling one has while walking the streets of New York, that behind every apartment door lies a fascinating tale of life, love, and everyday absurdities. After two seasons as a web series, High Maintenance had amassed a cult following and such huge critical praise that the show moved to its current home, HBO. Soon, an even wider audience fell in love with this deeply resonant, sweet, and sometimes heart-rending series. Katya's career was flying high, and that's when she hit a wall. In 2016, after a lifetime of repression and denial, Katya finally came out to herself, her family, and her husband. Though she'd always been romantically drawn to women, only then did she recognize herself as gay. Now Katya was forced to reckon with the complicated story unfolding in her own home, the one she shared with both her husband and professional partner. She and Ben produced the next season of High Maintenance while going through a painful separation. It was a brutal year, but a miraculous one too. As Katya said, coming out made her whole. Suddenly, she was free from the crushing anxiety she'd battled all her life. She met the woman who is now her girlfriend, and for the first time, fell in love right out in the open. Katya formed a new friendship with her ex-husband, and they remain a close creative partnership. But she's also looking forward to striking out on her own. Katya knows better than anyone the life-changing power of personal storytelling, and having radically shifted her own narrative, she's eager to amplify those of other women. Katya fought hard to find her own true voice, and now that she has, you better believe she's going to use it. Katya Blickfeld, thank you so much for being a guest on Unstyled today. I'm so happy to have you yes, here. Yes, I am so happy to be here. High Maintenance is a show that you fully create, you know, in every respect. I mean, you started out writing, directing, you know, creating the concept with Ben. You know, now that you're, how many seasons is it, four? I mean, this will be the third season on HBO that we're releasing, but it's been, you know, we shot our first footage in 2011. I think in recent seasons, you've really taken on some heavier topics and, there's such intimacy in this show, and we've talked about this offline before, 
how much I love the show because I think there's a quietness about how much feeling there is in it. There's real subtleties to it. I think that television sometimes can want to clobber you over the head with an idea and sort of beat you with it (laughs) until you're senseless, until you admit that you get it. And I think there's something that's just so subtle and beautiful about high maintenance because it's kind of absurd and and ridiculous in in many respects. (laughs) But then there's these moments that feel so profound and, and so moving. And I really felt like I could identify with, with the with the characters. And they're not big actors, you know, they're not crazy celebrities. They're really like real people that you 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 know are in your life. And I think it's just such a special example that it really sets for for new original like television, you know, I think it's really iconic now because of like the kind of format that you've created through these seasons. I mean, it's funny. Thank you, first of all. You're Uh, welcome. I'll never get used to it, people saying these things, but it feels really fucking good, obviously. But yeah, I've heard from a couple of people, I guess. It makes you feel cozy. There's something about it. You can like cuddle up with it. I know. Trying. I'm. Yeah, I think that is a feeling we're trying to elicit a lot of the time. And yeah, and I guess I've heard some people say that like they've been on the pitch circuit to like, you know, try to pitch TV shows. And our show is something that comes up a lot as like a. That's got to feel good. Yeah. Like when they're like, it's this and this, but like, but meets high maintenance. I'm like, oh, my God, (laughs) that's crazy. I think I think it's just people wanting something to feel like what you said, independent you know without like the without needing all the flash and having like the lesser known actors and and things like that those are just sort of tools or way you know those are our methods of sort of getting the message carrying the message through without trying to you know we don't want someone to distract you from not the message but like the story and you know when people go into pitch stuff i think there's a lot of pressure around like sales and and commercial yeah and like getting a big name to sell something and I don't know. I think a lot of the people who are fans of what we do a lot of times are also other makers. Like I feel like the people who are the biggest fans are people who also are making stuff or want to make stuff and they get excited by the freedom that they're perceiving that we have, which is it's not wrong. Like we are very free in the way that we make our show and we're still an independent show even though we're on HBO, which is really unique. We're a licensed That's show. very uncommon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's cool. And now I'm like, uh, how will I go back? Like, how would I go do it another way now? You know, if I went forward and It'll did other stuff. It'll just be different. Stuff, of course. But now that I've, ta- I guess, yeah, I'm just, I was about to say, like, now that I've tasted this sort of way of doing it, I'm like, no, I don't want, you know, I'm, we're the studio. Like, I want to always be the studio, but. I think you'll have lots of different opportunities and different ways of producing stuff. I mean, I think I you're so. just, I don't think you're necessarily like a person for the circuit. I, yeah, I don't. Can't really see it. I don't want to do the circuit either. <laughs> But yeah, uh, I hope so. I hope I get to make other things. That's always the insecurity. Like, oh my God, is anyone going to Of course gonna, you like, will. Does someone want to know what else I got? What do you got? Yeah, I got stuff. I got stuff. You do got stuff. You actually made a film when you were nine. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, can you can you just tell us a little bit about that? My um, anti-drug film? <laughs> yeah. And there was like a... There's a funeral in it, oh, too, yeah. isn't there? <laughs> there yeah. W- yeah, there was a funeral for someone who... So tell, wait, set the oh. stage. So <laughs> yeah. you grew up in California. I did. In a really religious family. They emigrated to, to the U.S., right? Yeah, my parents are Danish. Danish. I mean, it, it's kind of interesting because... I wouldn't say like my family was super religious, but my mom was for a time and mm-hmm. then and then she wasn't. But first she sort of, you know, got me <laughs> into that world and then she 
<laughs> fucking bailed when I was a a preteen, and then I, you know, cut to me going to like, you know, summer camps, revival camps, and then oh boy, coming home and being like, I prayed for you, mom, and her being like, Yeah, I'm good. Don't don't worry about me. You don't have to uh, pray for me anymore. Yeah, it was just she, you know, she went through a a thing. But um, yeah, so and then but but a component of this was that I also went to an evangelical Christian school. And so, yeah, so my world was very centered around Jesus and and church and all that good stuff. And, and not doing drugs. Yeah. And just saying no. I mean, it was the 80s, too. Which is hilarious since you're the creator of High <laughs> The irony is definitely not lost on me. Like, I have so many pictures of me and like, just say no. Like shirts and stuff. I got to find them. You really have to find that. That I is like, to. that's really No, but I have like the opposite symbolic. too. Like I have this photo of me when I'm like six on a, on a, in a costume on a float in Denmark for this, like their version of Halloween. And I'm like a, a hippie with a sign that's like, we need free weed now. And I'm like, it's like 1984 or something. Yeah. And you're six? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. Back to back to my big cinematic uh, debut. debut. Yeah, I just might, me and my neighbor friends, we were all just obsessed with their camcorder and making little movies. And like we made movies with our Barbie dolls. And the Duplass brothers. Yeah. <laughs> really, I'm like obsessed with reading interviews with the two of them. Oh, yeah, same. They did the same thing. Their parents mm-hmm. got them a camcorder and they were just like literally like every. That's, every, all, we, that's all we did every yeah. day. And you're like editing in camera because, yeah, I mean, that's what you had to do if you didn't have the equipment and didn't really know how to use it. And yeah, we just constantly made like music videos and commercials and talk shows. And, you know, before that, I was like doing it on cassette tapes. And before that, I was, you know, like drawing like pictures of people and like schoolmates and being like, this is their, you know, this they're playing this character and they have this backstory. I think I just wanted to tell stories. So wow. yeah, this film, I don't know. I just is one of the more memorable ones, I think, because it actually had a beginning, middle and end. Did it have and, a name? I don't recall if it did. If I, I really don't remember. I just, but I do remember using this like Martika Toy Soldiers song that was this like poignant song about drug addiction as like for the <laughs> for the end of it when we were all like throwing carnations on this grave in my friend's backyard, which was really just like a construction site because they were adding on to their house <laughs> in the <laughs> suburbs. It's like it was like after someone you know, did drugs, which was really like a bag of flour. And like, then they like jumped off the the addition in the back that was being built. I love you. <laughs> Wait, I, I, I do love the idea of you kind of stepping outside your house and being like, okay, I'm What's going, here? I'm going location scouting <laughs> yeah. today. And then you walk like 12 feet and you're like, here, this is where it's going <laughs> That's down. That's literally what happened. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, we got a lot of mileage out of that edition because it was, you know, we got to, it went through so many phases, you know, it was first, it was just like a raw construction site and then eventually it got walls and the, you know, it was an evolving set for me and my friends. That's kind of amazing. Yeah. And their dad was this Lutheran pastor slash carpenter. And so he just like, he just had so many like random things around to use as like props or a set. It was cool. Wow. Yeah. So you made this movie and it was a cautionary tale. Yeah, it was a very much like a just don't do it, just say no <laughs> kind of a message. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Thanks Nancy Reagan. Yeah. And then you you basically made the the leap, I guess after dropping out of college mm-hmm. to become a casting person yeah and you started working I think straight away on 30 Rock right it didn't take long I was interning for barely even I think I probably had been in casting for about a year when that job came through 
and I went on as an associate. How long was it before you actually started making High Maintenance with Ben, who was then your husband? Yeah. Were you guys already married at that point? When we made High Maintenance, yeah. Yeah, we had... And you had been married before him, too, right? In your 20s? Who did you marry first? Oh, God. I don't even want to say his name because... You don't have to say it. But uh, I married my boyfriend at the time. You know, I was like, what was I, 21 or 22? And I had this boyfriend and I was a romantic and I don't know. I can't imagine He needed a green card. (laughs) And then I was like... Was he Danish? No, Serbian. And then I was like, well, we can get married. Like, I believe in love. And then, you know, it didn't take long for us to realize we shouldn't be married. And I feel like he got his stuff settled without me or my this marriage. So it was really just kind of like a bloop. Uh, one of those funny things from my 20s. Was it hard to get divorced? No, it was uncontested. And I'm famously cordial with all my exes. <laughs> like, I just, I don't have... That's a gift. Yeah, I do not have bad breakups, really. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I think I'd been doing high maintenance kind of like... Like I said, it was like a weekend art project feeling about it because it was, I mean, that's what it was. It was literally for fun. There was no end game. There was no, we weren't like, we're going to do this and then this is going to happen for us. Or like, we're going to get the attention of this network or this person. It was, it was really just like, I wonder if we could be storytellers on this level. Like, I wonder if we can make cinematic looking shorts that are kind of snappy and but feel like substantial and like that would be a cool exercise some things that feel like little character profiles and or little character portraits yeah little vignettes do you think that that was something that drew you to ben in the first place was this sort of like creative kind of like partnership that you guys had definitely i think i that's what always draws me to people i think romantically or not but really definitely definitely romantically it's it's a thing that attracts me and he felt like a doer like you know i am too and he had energy and very like exciting sort of vision it seemed like and a really funny like crass sense of humor and was he working in film at all like was he doing anything like related to the industry kind of like um he was just kind of learning to make stuff too he was learning the technical he was he's self-taught as well he was also just kind of like figuring out how to like edit and use a camera and stuff like that. There really is nothing like just doing it yourself. Yo, that is true. Then that is the through line. And anytime, anytime I hear a, like an origin story behind something that I love or and not even just like media, but just art or beautiful clothes or like a, a creative company that seems still like kind of pure, it's always just because people didn't wait, you know, didn't wait for permission or didn't wait to feel like they had checked all these boxes before they like tried to do it you know like my favorite people are people who are self-taught I feel like a lot of people who come on this show I'm not surprised to when they get to that part in the story when they're like yeah and I didn't know what I was doing really but we just you know just kind of did it and I'm like yeah I know I've same I there's a lot of misery that leads up to that point yes. though a I lot mean, of I, times we can't leave that out no. because I do think that there's like a lot of romanticizing of being entrepreneurial but it's fucking hard it's really yeah. really hard and I think that there's like a lot of like moments of doubt but I also think about I think as scary as creating something is and throwing everything on the line and and knowing that you have deficiencies and there are things that you don't know how to do and how terrifying it is to fuck up in front of like an audience, yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, a lot of people, I think that the cost of, of not doing it is so much worse. Uh, and it, yeah, it really is. And I, I guess I've always known that on some level and <laughs> just, yeah. With relationships too. With everything. I know. Yeah. It's like when you, when you have that sort of nagging 
sort of knowing feeling inside of you and it's like and and occasionally it's it's sort of like it can go away and and it, and it sort of feels like a relief you know when you don't feel it as as potently yeah but, but mine may, like if ever I have that f- feeling about anything I'm I become physically ill like I straight up become I, I'm ill I'll become ill so like I just have to make those decisions Unstyled podcast is made possible by Refinery29 and Airy, your body positive go-to for intimates and loungewear. You know exactly what you'd want to wear while binge listening to your favorite podcast. Never retouched and always real, Airy gives you the everyday pieces that make you feel confident, strong, and always the real you in your own style. So you did you you've been pretty open about your sort of struggles with anxiety over the years. How have you really managed that? Uh, with a lot of marijuana, this is no <laughs> secret to people. Uh, well, I think that that's I think that's helpful for a lot of people. Though. I think it is too. Yeah, uh, I, I, and I'm really not shy about that because it is. It is Nor should you be. Is, yeah, I mean, I used to be though. I think before I and I've said this before. I think before I had gotten to a level in my career where I felt like, you know, I was doing something with a capital S, you know, maybe that was becoming like a casting director proper or maybe turning 30 or like, I don't know what it was, but yeah, at a certain point I felt more comfortable saying, yeah, I smoke pot. But that's, that's a one re- that's one way I deal with it. Um, but also just, you know, coming out was a huge part of dealing with my anxiety. I think such a big component of it you were 37 right yeah when I when I came out yeah yeah so what what was sort of the the turning point for you uh to be I mean to be honest the election was a huge thing (laughs) like it was already kind of that episode the bad thing that happened yeah Yeah. that was a real the real feeling for myself and for my ex Ben and for a lot of people I know I think part of it was like not the election wasn't what did it I think the election was more like a Ben and I were already like being like how do we end this and but you know how do were we you do able it? to talk about it with him yeah okay yeah yeah but I mean there was a whole private journey I think I had to go through too that I didn't even maybe necessarily know was happening 100% you know I was I and I was so faithful in my therapy sessions for those especially years leading up to coming out and I think I really credit my therapist with that's awesome giving me a lot of tools to get more comfortable and right with myself and so you were able to really like be honest with your therapist about like you know making that choice yeah and to an extent my you know I think my mom was in on some of it I mean I wasn't really ready to admit to myself that I was queer until until I did you know but I, but because of certain things that had been happening or thoughts I had disclosed to people that were closest to me, you know, my mom even like a few years before that had sort of put it out there like, well, maybe you're, you might be gay. And I'm like, um, I would know if I was, 
you know, and kind of did some of that. Um, she yeah. said something really beautiful to you when you finally. Yeah, she was like, you're yourself. It's like I can see you again. You're yourself. It's like a dark cloud is lifted. She, I mean, it, that is incredible. It was. It, I mean, she wasn't wrong. And it was really lovely. My dad, who's not really an emotional guy, like pretty much said the same thing, you know. Yeah, he was just like, it's nice to see you. <laughs> Hey, I know you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and you know, it's not, it's then it's not surprising that what ensued was like, it feels like a second adolescence kind of, which is just like, you know, has its, has its own trials and tribulations because, you know, and especially being like, I'm staring at 40 and I'm like, feel 13, like a little bit, you know. Because, 40 is so fun. Oh my, I mean, look, I'm so psyched to turn 40. I think it's... When do you turn 40? This year, in oh. December. Well, yeah. December what? 8th. I'm December 4th. Hey, Sag. Hey, Sag. I know, right? That's so exciting. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited to be 40. I've always thought it would be a good age. Um, and I'm excited and I feel like I know myself and... Yeah, it's, um, you know... I think it's a different it's time, too, because I think, like, my mom seemed so old when i mean she would, yeah. she wouldn't mind me saying this but right. she was hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't even visit other leading job sites so start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Also, like in her 40s when I was in college. I mean, I was practically no, same, the same age as same. her. Yeah, it's, it's, it's my mom was a young mother, you know. Yeah. She was bar- barely like 21, 22 when she had me. So yeah, yeah, same. So 40 used to seem like a really different concept to me. Yeah, so. and I remember my grandmother, my Italian grandmother lived with us and she looked like a hundred and mm-hmm. she was probably only about 60 right, but she always seemed one a hundred yeah but I remember when I was turning 40 and I just felt like free I just for the first time in my life I just felt like I just never really understood these sort of attachments to youth and and I I hate that you know marketing and and women's media really just kind of celebrates it you know in such a in such a grotesque kind of way and and I just think it's not real and and I think that women get so much more interesting as they become more confident and more at home in themselves and I think that 40 is like that threshold it's like I have I have some friends that are that are younger than me and they're really have a lot of angst and I think it's because it's also kind of like a an interesting midlife crisis moment because if you haven't really taken the risks and done the work and kind of, you know, confronted, you know, the sort of choices that you want to make about who you are. It's like you do really feel kind of behind the eight ball. Yeah. Well, and I'm, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if you could relate to a lot of this, but just, you know, and putting, putting career so front and center really does, you know, dictate how everything else in your life moves and, and goes, you know, your personal your personal and your home life and your family life and all of that. And I think I do feel really as satisfied or as content as I can feel with myself about like the effort I've put into that part of my life. I do feel, but then like, I think any attachment that I feel to youth, like what you're talking about is more in this sense of like, 
you know, I wish I could have been a 20 something that was like truly myself. Yeah. <laughs> like I wish I could have been an out 20 something year old or like, I w- you know, it's you that, it go. it's that kind of stuff. And like, yeah, duh, I have to let it go. Like I can never, I'll never get that back. And, and I wish I hadn't over my eyebrows. Well, same. Oh my God. That's another thing. <laughs> I'll, I'll show you some That's honestly a we, genuine regret that I, I have. Say, maybe one of the few because otherwise they just I, end right here. I, so they just I. literally just end. I I feel you. I feel you, sister. <laughs> um, but I, other than that, other than the brows um, and that, I don't really. Yeah, I don't have regrets either. Like I don't. I, I'm one of those people too who believes like every little experience you've had and everything that you've done and every choice you've made, it all just shapes you and it makes you who you are right now. So I wouldn't take anything back. I wouldn't. You know, there was like that weird, there was like a weird moment when I was ending things with Ben and and changing my life in that way, like coming out and all of that and feeling like just like a, a vague, like an abstract confusion for a second of just like, wait, what does this mean? What does this mean? Like, have I not been true to myself? Is that what's been going on? Have I, is my life like, oh, what does this amount to? Some sort of a fly, like a performance? Like, what is the, you know, got real existential, but like. I, over time, I've sort of unraveled a lot of that and come to f- realize, like, no, no, it wasn't a lie. Like, I've always kind of followed my heart until I didn't, you know. And then there were maybe some moments where I, what I was doing wasn't maybe in accordance with how I was feeling inside, but it was never for too long. And it was a step. Yeah. And, you know, it wasn't like I was so deeply buried in the closet or something like that. It was just, I just never for some reason had never given myself permission to have like real relationship, like real romantic relationships with women and had to be like open about it and to like identify as like a queer person. Like I had just never given myself the, do you know how many people though? That's Probably. So many, Christine, that's so many people. That's I know. What, I mean, and the more people that come out, the more that, uh, you know, you There hear. are probably so many stories like yours that are just, you know. Millions. Yeah, and I mean, I'm, and people DM me literally like weekly. Weekly. Still, that, that piece, that Vogue piece came out last winter. And I just, strangers like DM me every week to be like, I just read your piece and I'm, you know, I'm in my 30s or I'm in my 40s or you know, but and even younger people, but people who are like, I've, I, what you articulated is something. We're in their 60s and 70s. I mean, I mean, they're just not using Instagram, so I'm not hearing from them. But but they want to reach out. They just don't know how. I don't know, but like, it's not. My story turns out was not like super unique, and I knew that, and that's why I wanted to say something because I, I once I sort of arrived there, I was like, oh, my story is not unique, but why can't I find more like accounts from just people just regular people like who struggled with this sort of decision and struggled to like come to this conclusion about themselves like why can't I read more accounts of this because I'm feeling alone and that was really why I did it and it seems like that you know it helped some people feel less alone and that's been nice no I think that I think it's a huge advantage of of just being open about important transitions and I think it happened when it happened and I think that you shouldn't I'm sure you don't, but I mean, those relationships prepared you for this moment. And I feel like you learned something from all those relationships. I mean, we've all had relationships that maybe we don't necessarily feel like were that great for us. But you talked a lot in that interview. I think it was that interview. It might have been another one about, you know, what this relationship that you're in right now with your girlfriend kind of means to you and just like what has been new about it that, you know, you've you've kind of discovered about yourself and you know, 
do you feel comfortable talking about that? Totally. Oh, good. Yeah. I mean, I like th- what's different about it? Well, I mean, the ma- main thing is I, I feel like there's no part of myself that's like off limits, off limits or covered up anymore. So just that in and of itself is like, I mean, that's a huge thing. It's a huge Obviously, thing. It changes everything. I just I and I think just that makes me lighter, and then I'm interacting in a different way with this person than I have previous partners because because of that I'm not carrying around that burden. She's very communicative and the way that I am, and like really dialed in emotionally. So it's really nice to you know we don't have fights ever. It's just like if someone feels upset or bad about something, it's. It gets talked about in this really productive, articulate way, and it's over so quickly, and people bounce back really fast. And like, it wasn't even a fight; it was just like, "Hey, I need a discussion." Yeah, I just have to tell you, like, this thing was said or this thing happened, and I feel like this. And then, you know, there's just an incredible amount of empathy and understanding that kind of goes both ways. And I don't know. And also, she's just uh, as just a little. She's different than I am, you know. She's and in a good way. She really compliments me. She's more um in the moment probably than I am and I think and she doesn't sweat the small stuff like at all like she's famously chill (laughs) and I thought what is that like I mean it's what I does it calm you it's what I smoke all that weed to achieve and she just is like I met her and I remembered the person I was with joking to them being like oh look at this stoner girl (laughs) and she's like I'm not stoned what's her sign She's a cancer. Oh, okay. She's a big gushy hug. <laughs> but she My husband's a Libra. Really? I feel like he's like, yeah, and now my daughter's a Libra. I thought she was going to be a Sag like me and she was just like, fuck that. I'm going to be a Libra. Uh-huh. And came early. And um but I think that that energy has been really so good for me because he just makes me feel safe and calm and yeah. I can go off the deep end very quickly. And um Same. yeah, and it's not something it's not something I can control sometimes. I just have a lot of oh, emotions yeah. and, and sort of reactions to things. And I think it's what makes me love storytelling because I just, yeah. I, I love that, that sort of. That. Your emotions are very accessible. And, and yes. Yeah, you can, and you want to elicit them in other people too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. Exactly. It's because it's a, to share feelings about something or share an experience or like, yeah, it's the best feeling, isn't it? To, or to inspire a particular feeling and see it. Yeah, I don't know. It's. It's it is so good, but it's nice to have someone that is a is kind of a a, a sort of a panacea for that sometimes yes. because it can get com- it. really out of control and it can be exhausting. Yes, to be around me basically, <laughs> <laughs> to be married to me, but he's like he really takes it in stride. I mean, I have to say, it's it's a gift, and I've never been in a relationship like that before where he doesn't like sort of stymie who like he lets me have those moments and still express myself and still. Because I kind of need them to sort of yeah. to test things and yes. to sort of like, I don't know, to feel out what I want to do next. And I think that you have to be with somebody that helps really kind of stoke those those fires in you, but doesn't like let them get out of control. Yeah, or doesn't like so punish you for like, you know, uh, moments of weakness in your character, yeah. you know, because it, with this kind of a, a brand of emotion we're talking about, like, it's not always sunshine and roses. Like, it can go to some some really dark places or really just, like, childish places <laughs> for me or, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm very emotional and it's nice. I feel safe. I feel like I can react to things emotionally, not irresponsibly, but just, like, 
honestly and not ever have the my emotions held against me yeah there's a real understanding in my relationship of like what are feelings and what is real you know like what's a projection or what's a passing feeling and then like what is actual like there's a lot of that's such a discipline of that it's a daily conversation too and a daily dialogue with myself even but well I think that that's really healthy So when does the new season of, of High Maintenance come out? Winter. Winter. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's good. Yeah, yeah. What are you most proud about this season and what do you think it's going to kind of introduce? Interesting. Are we going to have any of this, any of the same characters returning? Yeah. There are, there's a quite a number of characters returning uh, this season. A lot of them are all in one episode. We'll see how we did that. What's the episode called? It doesn't have a title yet. Really? We're, we're, no, we're the like titles are great. We name them very late. We name them at the last minute that you can name them, like when we give them over. Whose idea was it to do all the sort of closing credits in slow mo? Slow oh my motion. Gosh, I think that it's my favorite part of every you. show. I, we, oh my god! So you asked what you can expect this season. I think we really upped our tag game. This uh-huh. season. Like I don't know. I feel like I I really found we just binge watched all of our like rough assemblies of the whole season wow. a couple weeks ago, which was interesting. And yeah, that was my first headline takeaway was, oh, I like our I really like our tags this year. Like they I don't know, they felt they, How do you define a tag? I'm sure there's people that don't really know what that oh, is. Oh, it's so. just like it's just I don't like even a know. trademark, is, a signature? I think we just call them the end credits, I uh-huh. guess. I, maybe it's not a true tag. Our end credit sequences, which, like you said, they're always like a slow motion one shot sequence of something kind of goofy. so good. Pens are spinning around at yeah. the club, which is like I could have watched it for hours. Yeah, they can be mesmerizing. Sometimes. Really mesmerizing. I don't know whose idea it was. It probably just came out of like we did the first, the very first webisode had like slow motion footage at the end, and then we we're like, that looks cool. Maybe that'll be our thing, and we can just like always have something in slow motion. It's brilliant. Thanks. Some things, some things endured <laughs> like that. But is there anything else that's sort of like that you're proud of that feels like a departure or, or different um, or like a like a, an, an evolution? Well, and I think it, we think we upped our game just like a little bit all the way around. You know, like we just everything's like a little bit bigger and a little bit more expansive. And like we got out of Brooklyn. I think last season was very just like Brooklyn, 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 and specifically like one part of Brooklyn. It all felt like it was like Bedsty, Crown Heights, kind of Fort Greene, like that whole section. Now it's like there's a you know an upstate episode, and like we go to other bur- like we go to every borough and like kind of just and go to Manhattan in an episode. And I don't know, that's just that's new for us. We always are just like behind four walls and in yeah. a Brooklyn apartment, and so it got, it got a little more grand and expansive this year and I think it looks looks shinier and prettier not for any other reason than you know our DPs are evolving we're and equipment is getting better and you know I don't think we're getting like crazy ambitious it just but you know we want things to look like a TV show so I think people might notice that but the themes like I don't know I'm I think it's a lot more of of the same like what you've come to sort of expect from us where we're I think we're being contempl- I think we're being more contemplative this season maybe 
you know, I think we're just now starting to get to the place where we're having the conversations like, what is it all? Like, what what are we going to say? Like, what are how are we going to market this season? <laughs> like, you know, yeah. they always want some sort of theme or takeaway. And I, I'm sort of still trying to find it. It'll come to you. Yeah. I mean, I, there's there's a lot of loss, but not in a negative way, necessarily. It's just like portraying some loss and people sort of asking, like, what's next? Like in all kinds of ways. Not just people, being not just loss of lives, but like just loss. Yeah. Yeah. Something that you and I talked about when we had breakfast a couple months ago was how something you weren't expecting when you came out and, you know, established this relationship with your girlfriend was just like this whole community of women that kind of opened up to you that was new and just the new sort of stories that you're basically like hearing now and, and sort of thinking about. And it really made me think a lot about after that conversation about your role as as a woman and a filmmaker. I always think about, like when I think about you, I think about other directors like and writers like Lisa Kolodenko. There's so many of them that are interesting that have been doing their own thing, kind of under the radar, but have found this really just loyal audience that love what they do. And they're not these sort of profound, like blockbuster stories but these quiet stories about you know transformation or or quietly profound yeah (laughs) quietly profound but what kinds of stories do you want to tell is there anything interesting that's like really kind of that you're thinking about every day that you want to move into after after high maintenance oh yeah I mean the thing that I'm literally everything that I'm cooking up because I do have you know like I'm writing a feature that I hope I can make in the next year would be great. Um, can you tell us anything about it? Mm, just, I mean, just that it it's definitely, it's another New York story. And, and there's a lot, what I was going to say is there's a lot of mother-daughter themes. There's just so much in that and, and the other sort of things that I'm, you know, responding to in, in the scripts that I'm reading and, and things that people send me. It, it mothers, and, mothers and daughters is just like a thing that comes up a lot. And so complicated. It is so complicated. And it is something I think about every day in some fashion. I do. I mean, every day the role that I played as a daughter will inevitably come up, come to mind in in some way, be it big or small or the role that my mother played in my life. And obviously, like anyone who's been to talk therapy that has a mother who has or has been, you know, has been a daughter of a mother, like will maybe relate to like that being something that comes up a lot. If you if you're somebody whose mother was your primary sort of caretaker, um, I yeah, it's just it's something that I'm really interested in, especially because I don't you know, again, turning 40 and I don't know that I'm going to be a mother in my lifetime necessarily. Like I, I didn't know until I was in my 40s. That's right. And, you know, and I hear that all the time too. Um, it, I mean, it's, I mean, I, I, I had a lot of years of not thinking it was ever going to happen and I was okay with it. But yeah. then all of a sudden it wasn't okay. And I was like, nope, this is happening. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I guess. So, you know, but you know, that's something that's on your brain a lot in this, in this time of life specifically, I think. At least in these parts, that's the <laughs> timeline we're on here in New York City. Um, but so yeah, it's just it's on my mind a lot, and I think even the the projects and stories that I'm eyeing or sort of developing right now, like even if they're not directly about like a mother and a daughter, they're like about a a, a woman or you know a female identifying person who something in their life is like shaped by like a mother figure yeah. or 
those type of dynamics, but in a different kind of relationship. It's just that's it's just the thing that just keeps coming up right now. I love and, that. I mean, it's not. You can't relate nothing, to that though. Well, it's true. I'm like, in yeah, nothing new here, but it. it I think there's so much that can still be said on it's like endless things can be said on this topic. There can be there's endless meditations that can be had on this topic. So, yeah, that that seems to be like a through line for for my stuff. And also the ego. You mentioned it earlier, but I think a lot about ego and trying to kill mine. You know, I think it's like one. It's you need like the tiniest shred of ego, I think, to to be creative or else you're not going to get out the door. Yeah, just just to like tell yourself that like you need to use resources and take up space in the world to like do something that's like your art. You know, you need like a little bit of ego to make that space for yourself and ask people to help support that. But in other ways, it can just be so um, destructive and debilitating when you let it get the best of you. And it's hard to not let that happen. So I'm, yeah, like I think I'm in this stage of my life now where I'm really examining my ego and what role it plays in my life in the healthy ways and what are the destructive ways and how can I silence it more? Because when I am able to silence it, I'm so much happier. I am able to have so much more freedom. Ac- yeah, and access to to joy. Like I can just see more good things when my ego is just quiet. So I don't know. I'll let you know if I figure out how to do it because I don't know yet, but I'm trying. Yeah, well, it's it's not easy. No. Katya Blickfeld, it is such a pleasure to have you on in style. I hope you'll come back. I love talking to you. Same. And if not here, we will do it over coffee. And happy early (laughs) birthday. Thank you. You too. Thanks. Yeah. hope you're inspired after hearing Katya's story. For even more unstyled extras, check out Refinery29 or my Instagram at Christine Barbrick. You can also join the conversation using the hashtag unstyled across your social media. And of course, we'd be infinitely grateful if you'd please subscribe to the Unstyled podcast on iTunes and rate us while you're there. You can head to refinery29.com to find this episode and more. And make sure to sign up for our exclusive Unstyled newsletter, delivered straight to your inbox every week. Our show today was executive produced by Bridget Todd, associate produced by Rebecca Easley, and edited by Priscilla Mena. Copy support was provided by Kelsey Miller. Our theme music today is by the artist Koff. And we recorded Unstyled with Paul Ruist at Argo Studios. I hope you've enjoyed Unstyled just as much as we've enjoyed making it for you. And we'll see you back here next season.